Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. If you don't have it, get it. And I'm happy to welcome Rabbi Yechiel Kalish of currently, I should say, of Chicago, Illinois, uh, State Representative uh, Rabbi Yechiel Kalish of the Illinois uh, State House of Representatives, delegates, something along uh, those lines, but who is now uh, retiring from that post and will soon be taking up the post of CEO of Hevra Hatzala uh, and in the very near future, uh, probably in February. He's going to tell us all about it. He's going to tell us about his uh, journey through politics, his journey through Jewish organizational life to politics, then back to Jewish organizational life. So, Yechiel, uh, welcome to Spin Class. Great to be here. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, great to be on the Nachum Siegel Network. (laughs) Yeah, well, it is. I mean, Nachum Siegel, the legendary uh, figure. I'm sure you've been a guest uh, either on this show way back when, when you were uh, probably not in office, or (laughs) Nachum Siegel, are there? We talked uh, politics every so often. And uh, certainly, uh, why don't you actually, that's a great idea. Why don't you take us through a little bit your biography? Um, I know you're from I mean, for a lot of you know people in the firm community, uh, they haven't visited as many states as you have lived in. So, like, uh, take us through that a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was born in Philadelphia. I mean, going through all the states, uh, you know, probably some pretty important ones uh, as it relates to uh, the electoral college. Uh, so, I lived in uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio, uh, which are pretty important uh, states. Uh, I grew up in Philly. I was raised in Cincinnati. I went to school in Rhode Island. And then I, uh, Baruch Hashem, I made my way to uh, Chicago, um, where I was uh, in Skokie Yeshiva for 10 years, back in Cincinnati, where I went to the Kailo. Um And uh, Rabbi Shmuel Bloom came for a Shabbos uh, while I was in the Kailo in Cincinnati. It was August of 2001. Uh, so the world was a little bit different uh, that month. Uh, Rabbi Shmulblum came to uh, Cincinnati Kailo for Shabbos Chizuk. We got to speaking, uh, and he said, uh, you know, if you're ever interested in claw work, um, give me a call. Uh, so that's really uh, Mendy Blau uh, made the shidduch, uh, you know, of uh, Far Rockaway fame. Uh, and uh, he, uh, uh, five months later, I called Rabbi Bloom, and that was December of 01, so it was a little bit different. The world was different, and uh, Rabbi Bloom said, listen, you know, we're, uh, Guda was challenged financially at that time, but he said, you know, I think it would make a lot of sense for you to go to Chicago and open the Midwest office in Chicago. So, uh, with, uh, $5,000 and the instructions of go, uh, we opened an office. <laughs> I wish I was being <laughs> facetious. Uh, well, $5,000 back uh, then is like, um, no. yeah, it's. Crazy. Really, not that much money. <laughs> I was going to say five thousand dollars right. back then is really like millions today, but it's really not. So yeah, it was not a lot of money. Uh, so it was five thousand dollars and go. And so you immediately, 1st, you immediately jumped into politics when get in, from the Midwest. I guess uh, Chicago politics. There's no yeah. better place to to uh, break your teeth than uh, than in the windy city of Chicago. Oh my God! My first, I, I remember my first meeting with uh, Governor George Ryan, who was a Republican, he ended up going to prison, ended up going to prison and winning uh, a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, so he, uh, it sounds like our governors, but it was George Ryan and Mike Madigan, the two scions of the Republican and Democratic Party. 
And, uh, you know, I was at, I was in this meeting and I felt like a midget sitting there and everyone was passing around their business cards. I was 25 years old. Everyone was passing around their business cards and, uh, they were making some jokes and I, and someone said, you know, when I started, you know, uh, uh, they didn't have business cards or something. And I, and I said, when, when you started, I don't think I was born yet. <laughs> so, oh, I'm sure they were happy uh, with that one. Yeah. Everybody, that was, that was everybody wants to feel uh, very, very old in those types of meetings. So it was a great start. It was a great start. But yeah, so I, I, we opened the office in Chicago. We branched out, we created what's now known as the national network of a good um, ended up becoming vice president there. And uh, then um, I needed a little bit of a break. So I started a, a lobbying firm together with a friend, uh, Yankee Filer here in Chicago. And uh, we, uh, thank God, we, we were doing well. And then January, two years ago, I received a phone call. Uh, Lou Lang um, was, uh, was stepping down. They needed someone from the community uh, who could possibly win uh, you know, what would be a, uh, a race uh, decided by three individuals. And uh, they felt I had the credentials to win that race, which I did. And I uh, received the appointment. Uh, there was around 50 people who had applied for the job, and I, I, I beat them out. And uh, then uh, I spent two years uh, in the General Assembly to, you know, clarify uh, what we're called. So the General Assembly, uh, the House of Representatives, uh, and uh after losing in the primary, um, I uh, was trying to figure out what to do. And we had a couple of offers, a couple of options. And this uh, this opportunity with Atzala uh, presented itself, as uh, the Mishpacha accurately puts it, uh, in this week's Mishpacha. And uh, the, uh, the rest, uh, hopefully, will be uh, the next chapter. Okay, so let's uh, backpedal a second because this is a political show. And we like to talk sure. about politics. And we like to talk about, um, you know, the... The by and large, uh, the Orthodox community, and you've seen it firsthand, has moved uh, rightward, uh, whereas, uh, you know, it's been heavily uh, Democrat or Democratic leaning. Um, now, a lot of the community identifies or self-identifies, even if they don't necessarily uh, register as such, but kind of self-identifies as Republicans. But by uh, predominantly, most of our elected officials uh, who are Orthodox are Democrats, um, whether it's be in you know, Brooklyn um, or it's uh, um, whether it's Brooklyn or it's you in Illinois or think of Gary Scher in uh, in New Jersey. Um, you know, those have ch- a prim- woman in uh, Maryland. There's a from lady in, uh, in Maryland. Who right. Is, uh, was also correct. Uh, recently elected. Yeah. Right. Correct. And so uh, city council, I think city council, right? The state assembly. Oh, state assembly. Okay. No, there, oh, no. Oh, no. Sorry. There was a man elected to the, uh, to the city council in, in, yeah. in Baltimore. Okay. Right. So, Baltimore. Um, so by and large uh, Democrats. So, uh, why don't you just talk for a second about your experience, I guess, as a Democrat in hardcore Democratic politics in a very liberal district, I guess. So you could talk a little bit about your district. Um, a lot of a lot of times uh, somebody such as yourself might not get elected in a uh, as an Orthodox Jew in a non-majority Orthodox uh, district. So um, uh, yeah, what, it's, it's, you know, it's give, us, give us an, give us an idea of what of what it means to be an Orthodox <laughs> Jew in politics. Yeah, it, it's 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 impossible. I, I actually uh, I, I asked this question to uh, to Rabbi Saul Reisman, um, you know, during uh, the present the session that we had in the Aguda, 
uh, during their convention this year, I asked them if an Orthodox Jew should run for uh, election office, um, given the challenges uh, that we have to go through. And, uh, you know, uh, his, he, he gave he gave what I, you know, uh, would assume is uh, is an answer that uh, anyone who's looking, who's in politics, is looking to go into politics, could listen to, um, which is um, that why go into a profession where so many shyless need to be asked? Um, and when you could, you could, you could just as easily, uh, get involved in something else, uh, to help the community or to be involved in us kind of, we're not as many shyless being asked, you know, uh, the case in point, um, Erev uh, of the Nubman's Karebbe Zechoyin of the Brachas last, uh, last year, uh, I called to wish, uh, the Nubman's Karebbe, get a bracha, et cetera. And, uh, when I, when I called and the Rebbe answered, He's, I said, Rebbe, it's Yichiel. And I heard him on the other on the other line, I heard him brace himself. Like he took a deep breath. I said, no, Rebbe, I'm just calling to wish a Ksivusimataiva. And <laughs> just... <laughs> you mean it was, you thought it was going to be, oh, this guy's calling again. Uh, what is, right. what, what kind of, what kind of uh, heavy question do I have to deal with now? So... Exactly. And that's and that's and that's the point. You know, the Democratic Party today um, has no room for Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton cannot exist in today's Democratic Party. Bill Clinton was a pro-life Democrat. Um, You know, John Kennedy was a pro-life Democrat. Joe Biden, for most of his career, was a pro-life Democrat. Um, Most most Democrats Right from the fiscal standpoint of responsive, the government, bigger government, government helping, uh, you know, uh, communities, etc. Uh, taking that point of view and separating the issues as it relates to relates to marriage equality or choice, etc. Uh, there are a lot of people who fit in that camp, in that camp, right, as fiscal Democrats, but not, you know, these socially progressive Democrats. And you saw that on the national scene. You saw the, you saw the fight. I mean, you see it going on right now with uh, with, with with the squad members and, and 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 yelling and screaming at every appointment uh, made by uh, Joe Biden that doesn't fit you know uh, their liking. And that's exactly what happens to people like me. Right? I didn't take a pro-choice uh, vote, uh, you know, in the in the House, and they they spent. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to take me out on a piece of legislation that passed, right? That's that's today's Democratic Party, and you know it's. But at the same time, it's it's not the Republican Party that's going to be there for many of the social service programs uh, that our community that the that the far majority of our community rely on, uh, you know, and even from a professional standpoint. If we consider how many people are involved in the healthcare industry, right? It was the Republican Party that wanted to wipe out Medicaid uh, in Washington. Um, that's not a party that uh, we necessarily belong to. That they want to wipe out an industry uh, that basically supports thirty to forty percent of our community in some way, shape, or form. So, right? So, th- so there, there are nuances that uh, that exist uh, within the different parties where an Orthodox Jew can fit on either side, but to actually run as an elected official, it's much, much, much more challenging. 
So one of the questions I was thinking of is typically what happens is somebody goes into office and they're there for a couple of years and then they choose to retire and uh, or move on and they join the ranks of lobbyists. Nothing wrong with being a lobbyist, nothing wrong with trying to influence government, not saying that as a negative word at all. Uh, you, on the other hand, doing it first then you went. Uh, then you went inside uh, to become uh, part of the government. Now, how did you? How did you make that transition in and of itself? Um, and you know, I guess uh, both from a perspective of lobbying on behalf of the CLAL, meaning advocating on behalf of the CLAL, I'll call it, and then advocating on behalf of private businesses, um, and then going in and being the target of such lobbying. Uh, I, I know that a lot of people, a lot of people in the audience, even if they have a really keen interest in politics, they don't understand how the sausage is made in a real in a real way. Um, but uh, you've seen it on both sides, so maybe you can uh, enlighten us a little bit on how uh, and how things work. And you know, I know you've been in multiple states, but uh, Illinois yeah. certainly being one of those more interesting ones in a, from a, from a lot of in a lot of ways. So uh, there was, go ahead. It was a state senator. There was, a, there was a state senator by the name of Carol Ronan. Carol Ronan was an institution in, in, in Illinois uh, Senate, a uh, very effective senator. Uh, she uh, Her district bordered the from community. So when I was lobbying in Chicago on behalf of the, the Chicago community uh, the, during the Aguda years, um, I got to know her very well. So I, I saw her um, during my first session at the governor's uh, uh, Pesach Seder, we had the mock Seder. Uh, we have a Jewish governor, J.B. Pritzker, and then he had a he had a mock he had a mock Seder in his uh, in his mansion, uh, kosher cater, beautiful beautiful event. And uh, Carol comes up to me um, before the Seder, and she she looks at me and she says, "So Kalish, now you realize how bad of a lobbyist you were." Uh, and it was a, an incredible indication of when you're on the other side, as much as you think you know, when you're on the inside, you see what everyone else doesn't see. You just see what everyone else doesn't see. You see all of the lobbyists running around and whatever it is they think they're doing, um, you know, and, and you can you can see, wow, that is so wrong. Why are you talking to those people about this issue? Um, because they have no impact on how that's going to come out. And you see that from the inside. My my 12, 13 years lobbying really helped me in the General Assembly because I, again, knowing or thinking I knew what was going on, I at least knew uh, the building blocks so therefore, when given the opportunity to go on the other side and see how the sausage is made, uh, understand uh, during caucus, uh, as leadership was sharing with us, seeing who really makes the decisions on key issues, um, we had a very successful two years um, in terms of helping the community, uh, in terms of helping different in, you know, industries that, uh, uh, that are helpful to the community, that are connected to the community, a very very successful two years. I, I you know that it was the smartest move uh, professionally um, to go to that other side, understand what I didn't know, uh, and now going back to this side, hopefully help community again, uh, but just a little bit smarter. But is there any sense that 
now that you have you're out of office and lost the primary and uh, in a sense did it because you stuck to your values and you stuck to your guns as a from Jew, I guess we could talk a little bit more about the the primary itself in a second. But I guess my question for you is, uh, you know, there there is a lot of chatter and it's here in New York uh, amongst Democrats, how the Orthodox community is marginalizing itself by being more conservative and out of step. Um, now, I happen not to believe that this is the case because we're not going anywhere as opposed to some other people who leave right. and leave the districts in which we live in. Uh, we're not going anywhere. And if any sense we're growing and smart politicians realize that um, there are, of course, not so smart politicians out there. So maybe they don't. And maybe that's where it's coming from. But is there a sense that on some of these real issues and it, when it comes to these Democratic and solidly blue districts, we are marginalizing ourselves by sticking to our values? Never. In, in fact, I think I think people make a mistake by thinking they should be quiet on issues. Um, what I have seen uh, on both sides is that not only should our community stick to its guns uh, on issues of importance to us, but I think we should be more vocal. Now, there's a way to be vocal without being violent, uh, you know, and or vicious. Uh, you don't have to attack, right? You could you could take the high road, which I think we did in our in, in our race, um, but we stuck to our values. And even if even if the, that means uh, that you're not going to win an election, or even if that means that you know the progressive who may win the election uh, may not quote unquote like us. Well, they're never going to like us because if you don't self-identify, then they identify you. Uh, so if you don't speak your issues, if you're not clear, yes, we are not pro-choice the way a progressive you know feels that they're pro-choice, right? We do not, you know, uh, we we do. We do not sanction right these, this uh, this marriage equality uh, that uh, that the progressive world has uh, has decided is is the way we should we should go. Uh, we 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 can't you know uh, hide uh, those issues because they the, this is a world of information. They know what our true values are, and if they see us trying to be anything other than what we are, that hurts us more. So if there's anything that I've learned, it's that um, the best thing our community can do is continue to be an active, vocal uh, participant in the process. And even if the people who end up getting elected may not appreciate our viewpoints on certain things, they have to deal with the active uh, parts of the community. They will. They, even, if, even if they are such a small minority if you're active and vocal, they just don't, they, they want to be able to have dialogue. You know, most elected officials um, are not spiteful. You know, they're not, you know. The smart ones, uh, at least. Like the, the smart ones. Not like the, the, the woman who just got replaced in Rockland, you know, that I'm really happy to hear about. And you know? Ellen Jaffe right. is her name. So, I, don't mind, I don't mind saying her name. Yeah. Ellen Jaffe, she is yeah. out of office, so, uh, re replaced by yeah, a, a very good Republican named Michael Wohler. So, you know, while, 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 while I'm not advocating whether or not it should have been Democrat or Republican, it shouldn't have been her. Well, uh, yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, this, this was yeah. a woman who stood on the floor of the New York State Assembly. And uh, I like to remind people every chance I get and said that she didn't know whether Orthodox Jews should be able to vote because they don't send their kids to public school. That's um, exactly. 
Right. Yeah, that really happened. That that welcome to America. Ex- exactly. Right. That's the- where some people are less <laughs> less legitimate than others. But um, but right. for a second, I mean, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners understand. Let's say the dynamics of you know they might think, okay, you're you're Yechiel Kalish. You represented a from area of. Chicago or Northern Chicago suburbs, Skokie, as you said, um, I don't know, you know, how well, I mean, I don't know Chicago all that well, but, uh, you know, other than the famous restaurants that exist, but you know, how is it that you, you know, got picked for this and then you ended up losing that primary, not to, not the fact that you lost, but I'm saying is, you know, where, where was the from community? You know, why didn't they come out? Why didn't they vote? (sighs) So, so, so it's a complicated. The, the first part of the question is um, uh, just political skill. Um, there were three people uh, that had votes uh, in the uh, uh, in in the nominating process uh, for the replacement of Lou Lang. Uh, it was Lou Lang, Iris Silverstein, uh, and a uh, another an, another gentleman. Um, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm, literally just blank on his name, uh, who was uh, the alderman um, for uh, a district right outside the Frum community. So Silverstein is a Frum Jew, so we felt confident that he would vote for me. Um, and uh, Lang was, we're not sure. But we, I, I wasn't counting on his So wait, so uh, this wasn't a traditional or, primary. This is just the, the leadership. No. So there, there's not a voting primary no. in, okay, so that's the same. No. The, the leadership, the leadership got together and makes it makes an appointment. Oh and, no, no, but, but they made it. But uh, they made an appointment. I'm talking about. Wait, so that was when you won or when you lost? That's when I. That's when I won. Oh, that's when you won. Okay, so fine. we won. I got it. Yeah, so, so you asked how how is it they they chose me? Right. So I lobbied, I lobbied the third guy. In other words, everyone else was lobbying Lang because he had a weighted vote. I said I, I need two out of three, right? So I felt, we, and it turns out I was the only guy who called him. No one else, 50 people, no one else called the third guy. Brilliant. So he gave, yeah. So he gave his votes to Silverstein, uh, you know, and he said, Silverstein, you know, I'm with you on Kalish. So we won. Uh, and that's how we won. Now, Lang uh, was very worried about that because he is a he is a very strong progressive, uh, and um, he said, you know, if you deviate in any way uh, from the progressive mindset, they're going to come after you, and I'm going to let them. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Lang is still uh, he was still what they call a committeeman here, um, which uh, helps people. Uh, you know, the the purpose of the committeeman is to get out the vote, and uh, Skokie which represents uh, a significant majority of, of the district, uh, you know, is, is very much a, a Lang stronghold. And uh, they came out and voted, uh, you know, in droves uh, because uh, they, they spent, you know, like I said earlier, they spent a lot of money. Uh, the firm community came out, but the, I represent 108,000 people of which, uh, of which I think there was 35,000 votes, uh, of which Iris, sorry, no, it wasn't 35. It was 35,000 Democrat and Republican. In the Democratic primary, she received 7,000, I received 5,000, and another, the third candidate received 3,000, right? So, you know, you can assume that, you know, most of the from people voted for me, 
uh, and that and the from people voted, let's say at a 70, 80 percent click. So that's the influence of the from community in this in this district. You know, uh, it, it would have been helpful to have some of the other parts of the from community, but that's not the way the district was made up. Okay, so so, right. so this is so only a piece. Well, it's yeah. not dissimilar to Brooklyn. I mean, in in uh, in Flatbush Borough Park, for example, you have uh, parts of four different congressional districts, and you have uh, you yeah. know uh, multiple state senate districts and assembly districts, almost designed to make sure the minimal amount of from people are elected to office. Um, so it's not uh, it's not unusual to have that. And um, you know, we mentioned Rockley County. Uh, in particular, uh, Muncie itself is, or Muncie and the greater the firm community is represented by three different uh, assembly districts uh, in there that were specifically drawn to make sure that a firm person would not get elected. Um, and you know they've you know some have tried, but uh, you know things get redrawn over time. But yes, there has been an effort in New York, I will say, to make sure that from people uh, more from people do not get elected to office. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to get the, come back to what you said before about because we're, we're 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 getting a little bit out of time. Uh, sure. You know, you asked Herman Reisman about whether from people should run for office, and he was kind of uh, not uh, so into that. Um, but isn't there a isn't there a real value to be sitting at the table? I mean, you can't. I mean, yes, you can have influence. There, yes, you can have that. But there are people, the people who are actually at the table, are the people who who make the decision, and you can't replace that. So I asked the Novaman Skareba. I asked the Novaman Skareba. I said, let me take that vote. That's what I said to him. I said, let me take that vote. I said, I know it'll kill me. I don't mean it, right? But let me take the vote anyway. And um, whatever happens to me happens to me. But I know I'll be there for the community. And you can't compare what it means to have a seat. You can't. You cannot compare. You can't. You can't compare what it means to be in that caucus room and make real decisions as opposed to being on the other side. You can't, there's no comparison. One state rep can have a massive impact that a million people on the outside can't. And the Rebbe started crying and the Rebbe started crying. And he said, he said, what will do with my feel? What will be with my Yechiel's neshama? He said, that's more important to me than anything you can do for Kali Yisrael. And, you know, that's, uh, that, so, so I, I, I don't believe I'm the first person to offer myself up um, and be told that that's not the right mahalach in history. Uh, and uh, I'm sure I won't be the last. But, but that's really the level of sacrifice. Wow. The level of sacrifice is is that because you know look at look at look at Joe Biden right he became president of the United States but at the same time you know he really was a catholic right he really was a catholic now he can't walk into church right now he can't get his communion which at some point he separated himself from god right so when i told the speaker that i couldn't I couldn't take this vote. Um, and, you know, I was going to be, you know, either a no or a present. That's a whole different story. Um, but, you know, he said to me, his words were walk with God. 
And, you know, but there's, there's an option. You either walk with God or you stay in the legislature. Right. Well, uh, well, these are the difficult choices. Okay. Well, as last question for you, uh, I mean, we could spend the whole day uh, talking about some of these issues yeah. and, uh, and I don't know really have the appropriate guidance here, but uh, last question for you, and it's have to make it short, but you know, what, where does our community after in the post Trump era, assuming that there is a post Trump era, I mean, I'm going to go with the idea that Donald Trump will not be inaugurated on January 20th. Um, and not the idea, the certainty that that will happen. What I'm saying, however, is, um, you know, some people in our community are so, are, are so all in um, on Trump and Trumpism and all the great things he's done for, for Israel. And I think, and we have to acknowledge them, but uh, to an extent that it's kind of poisoned political relationships elsewhere. So very quickly, if you can, in 45 seconds, if you can tackle that. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, Joe Biden will be that um, uh, that 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 individual who uh, makes us, uh, you know, comfortable uh, with an alternative. I'm I'm, I'm hoping because he he happens to be a decent man. He's very pro-Israel. Um, you know, over it's a four-year period. It's not going to happen right away, but I think our community uh, will come to grips with this loss, so to speak, uh, and uh, and and migrate to a what I hope is a, is a normal position. There will be a Republican that will that will emerge soon. And I, 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 there's no question our community will, will gravitate to that person. OK, well, Rabbi Yechiel Kalish, state representative, uh, state general assemblyman, Yechiel Kalish, yes. uh, <laughs> newly soon to be CEO of Hever Hatzala, uh, proud to be a 24 year member. Um, and uh, we will uh, see you on the other side of when you, you know, start your new journey uh, Please, God, uh, in a, at a future episode. Uh, stay tuned for Jew of the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week.